Hey everyone, this is episode 42 of Sketch Watch Play, where pop culture podcasts talking movies, TV, cartoons, video games, and everything that comes with those. You can find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, and most third-party podcast apps and directories. If you want to stay updated or send us feedback and topic suggestions, you can email us at sketchwatchplay at gmail.com, follow us on Twitter and Facebook at sketchwatchplay, join the Discord server located in episode descriptions, and if you enjoy what you hear, you can support the show by leaving positive reviews on Apple Podcasts and spreading the word to friends, family, and social media. I'm John Flurry, and today's guest is a second appearance that's long overdue. Besides being a co-host on the podcast Generation Animation and Eerie International, he has previously appeared here three years ago for the Death Parade episode, and I've been hoping to get him back on for a good while. Ladies and gentlemen from the UK, Mr. Dave Roberts. Dave, how are you? Hey, little do you know that you've unleashed some kind of fury onto your show after three years. Uh, it's lovely to be back, and it's lovely to be talking to you again as, as well, John. How are you? I'm good. It actually, I think it has been a while since the two of us did a, a, a podcast, because if we're talking your shows, obviously, I've been on JNN in the past with you. Uh, last time I was on was mm. you unfortunately fell ill, but you couldn't talk to Willoughby's, which is a shame because apparently you loved it. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed that uh, film. It's rare that something will come out that I gel with quite so well as that did. And the fact that it came out ostensibly just like on streaming platforms, it was kind of the beginning of um, something which kind of came full circle with uh, this year. And now I'm forgetting the name of it exactly. We did review it on the show. Describe it. Um, uh, it was the was it the Thompsons versus the Machines or something Mi- like oh, that? Oh, Mitchell's versus the Machines. Mitchell's versus the Machines. I've Thank watched you. the first half of that. It's great. I love that film. So so good. It's, um, it's been a big hit. So yeah, agreed there. Yeah, no, it's absolutely. Like, it's like Lord and Miller. It's it really does seem like when you get their producing credits on a cartoon, you're in for something good. Um, I it's think, a standard of quality. It really is. I think maybe the one exception is I know they worked on that America, the motion picture, which I heard more mixed things about. Uh, I, yeah. <laughs> Funnily enough, as a Brit, not watched it yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, technically, it's America and not England, the motion picture. So, you know. Oh, no, but I, it, it's very much predicated yes, on yes. Revolution. we are bastards and uh, <laughs> America did well to get a shot of us. Eh, America's bastards too. You know, in the end, everybody's a bastard. So, so it's all even ground. <laughs> everybody's uh, a bastard. There we go. Lovely. If everybody's a bastard. Then nobody is. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, it it has been a long time, and there's a little bit of a difference th- between your first appearance, which I highly recommend everybody. Well, one, go watch Death Parade, uh, and two, listen to that episode. Uh, I think I reached out to you about that because you are one of the biggest anime fans I know. I have been more of a casual fan for the past decade, but you you are entrenched in it. Oh, yes. Um, my, my friend Ryan's fault entirely. because I, I was big into anime, and I, I probably mentioned this story. Go ahead. Certainly. You, haven't, you haven't said it on this show. Oh well, there we go. It's permission to say it again. Sorry, everybody, if you know my generation, my generation animation backstory. But uh, I, I got into anime way, way, way back in the midst of time when Channel Four was still a young and and preppy new station, and uh, they would play anime late night. And two of the th- two of the things that I saw before anything else was. 
uh, Ghost in the Shell standalone complex. Cool. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, of all of the things to watch as one of your first anime, that is an absolute dream. You know, I need to watch it, all of it. We did Ghost in the Shell retrospective early in the podcast, but we mostly focused on the original movie and the ScarJo movie. Yeah, and I I'm unusual that I quite like the Scarlett Johansson movie. Um, I don't think it was but, as slammed as other as most adaptations. It just didn't leave a huge impact outside of that initial controversy. Yeah, I I think the the controversy of of uh, Scarlett Johansson being ca- uh, cast in that role, which yeah, I mean the major is traditionally I guess meant to be a Japanese character, but full-body cyborg. You can be whatever ethnicity you want to be. At the end it's, of the day, we're not even sure if the I major did, is... Didn't they make it a plot point that she was kind of like a reskin? Yeah, yeah. yeah which, which I think is definitely a, a, a good way to get around that particular issue. Acknowledge it, at least, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, so Ghost in the Show was one of them. Um, I think Urotsuki Doji Legend of the Overfiend might have been another one which oh, came boy. on. We won't talk about that one. Well, for, for I'll say taste. a little bit. Uh, so it is a, maybe the most famous hentai? <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's a yeah. OG, yeah. Uh, we're not going to do a hentai discussion, but like that's one of – that one almost went mainstream as far as anime go. I remember it, it caused quite a stir. It did. It did. I mean, if anyone is familiar with the term tentacle porn, then um, – yeah, yes. that's basically where it came from, at least uh, as far as my uh, awareness of it. I watched it in college. I'll give it credit. It's it's an ambitious film. It's ambitious. Um, I think it's actually the second episode of um, Erie International. I um, I suggested oh. to David that we watch that, along with Blood, the Last Vampire. And um, Blood, the Last Vampire got a much better review. Than, I can imagine. Uh, I think. Yeah, yeah, you can understand. Um, but, so there was those two, but then there was also this anime, which for years and years, I was constantly telling everybody, you need to watch this. It's amazing. And nobody had really heard of it outside of a few people that really kind of like new anime on a deep level. What's that? And that was um, Battle Angel Alita. Oh, uh, oh, the OVA. Which was, yeah, which uh, now the OVA, nobody really knew about it until the movie came out. Right. Um, uh, only a few years ago. Um, but you know, like that thing, I loved it. And the moment I found out there was a movie coming, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And, uh, like little did I know, like that movie absolutely nailed it. Like I, I genuinely, genuinely love that movie, but like, those are the three, I did say two originally, but I was discounting Legend of the Overfiend for, for reasons of taste. Um, <laughs> those are the, the, Two and a half. Those are the ones that really kind of started my journey down the road where it came to fandom of anime. Then I That's kind cool. of dropped off for a little while. Um, and uh, and then a friend of mine, my best friend Ryan, uh, introduced me to Bleach. Uh, yes, you are, you are a big Bleach fan. I am a huge Bleach fan. Um, so he introduced me to that. He was like, oh, I've heard things about this. I'm not sure about it, but I don't know if you might like it. And uh, I, I saw that first episode and I was like, God damn, this is great. And so, like, you know, 700 episodes later, later <laughs> yep. that finished. Um, and that really kind of rekindled my love for uh, for anime. And then I just kind of fell headlong into it. And it was the perfect time as well. And now it, it's never been easier to access anime oh for anybody. You know, Crunchyroll.com is a thing. Uh, Funimation, I found out recently, is a thing in the UK. But I always knew it was a thing in the US. Oh, their, their streaming service. 
Yeah, the streaming service yeah, specifically. Yeah. Well. yeah. Um, well, it, it, I've got a free account. It turns out that, um, at least in the UK, it's very much the same as uh, as Crunchyroll, where oh. you can sign up for a free account and you'll just have to put up with some really horribly selected adverts. Right. Okay. You know what? I think I, I switched to paid, but I think you can watch the with, with adverts, but the... Uh they also, I think Crunchyroll does this too, where they hold off on putting up new episodes for a couple of days if you're on the free. Like right, that, yeah. That, to kind of motivate you to pay. Oh, absolutely. And I understand that completely. There are certain series that I have bookmarked because you can, it's got a really handy dandy little list function. And I, I spent like one evening just going from beginning to end on their list of available content. I've, cut just so, I've got so much on my queue, but I need to sit down and yeah. watch most of it. I think the main things are I've been revisiting OG Dragon Ball because I actually prefer that to Z. Yeah. Um, and I started, I'm a couple of episodes into Black Clover, which I'm liking more than I thought I would. Yeah, Black Clover is definitely something that I mean to get around to at some point. Um, like I keep seeing little trailers for it. Uh, I think when I was on Crunchyroll last, they, they did one of those little stinger commercials for their uh, content that they have available, and that yeah. might have been one of them. Uh, but yeah, like I've, I, I'm one of those infuriating people that has time to go, like, to spend a night going through and listing things and making sure that I've got things on the list to watch. I, I never really actually... devote myself more to uh, having because I'm, I'm always working on stuff, whether it's like stuff like this podcast or voice and animation stuff mm -hmm. uh, or artwork. And I should, I should try more because I'm so addicted to just random YouTube videos. I should have more shows and movies on the background. Exactly. Um, exactly. So I can listen to them. Yeah, that's my problem. YouTube that, well, that, is a huge time sink. YouTube is, is a time sink because it's all free and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, I will say, I, I, and I take advantage of anime being a background background noise because uh, just what it is, is because so much is adapted from manga, they they tend to keep a lot of stuff where people are describing out loud what's happening during a fight. Mm. <laughs> like, well, this move is a very ancient. Oh, I haven't seen this in many years, but it does this thing, and that's what he's doing to this guy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, I love I, I think uh, Yu-Gi-Oh is like a prime example of that, where like they, mm -hmm. I, where they, they stop and describe. Even though my only knowledge of Yu-Gi-Oh stems from uh, abridged, <laughs> but I will say there's a moment to um, talk about your podcast. I I know you and many others mainly for 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 Gen Ann. Uh, that's how I discovered you guys and kind of became mm. online friends. Uh, but you've also a long time thing is you mentioned Eerie International, which is a horror podcast. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that kind of came out of nowhere. I've been um, friends with, uh, with with David for a little bit longer than the podcast has has been around. Um, because David, uh, one of my co-hosts, he uh, he used to and still does from time to time host a podcast called Hideous Energy, which was a comic book podcast. Right. Um, I, I was a huge fan of that podcast, and. Um, but just through happenstance, from the fact that we both hosted shows that were on the Fan Off Network um for the people by the people uh that we um we we kind of crossed paths he came on an episode of uh, generation animation um along with uh his partner on the show austin and uh we, we we've talked about various different things on, on gen Ann with him i think we uh we covered uh the daft punk album interstellar uh, interstellar yeah, yeah did, did, was it he who coined the term uh trash bag full of drugs Yes, I believe like, so. He's like, that's what your required material when you're watching this thing? <laughs> think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, it it was a wild episode. I randomly, during that episode, made a, 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 a reference to Jaws. Um, 
Probably the, the uh, it was the the underwater scene with the the head that randomly just floats oh, into view that, and, and it's that like, scared the really shit out of me jump. as a kid when I saw Jaws. Yeah, That's the scariest yeah. part to me. It is like it's a really effective jump scare, yeah. and it would not have been anywhere near as effective if they had had their original plans in place, which was the giant mechanical shark. Um, because a oh, lot of that movie they had to change it because the shark wouldn't work. That's right, yeah. So the movie was going to be a lot more in your face, but instead they ended up making it uh, very much more a suspense kind of uh, drama where you, you saw things from the point of view of the shark yeah. and you heard music which indicated, you know, the music is a real character in that movie. Oh, yeah, um, those famous themes. I, it is, absolutely. And I can't remember why I made this reference, but I did, and that kind of stuck in um, in, in David's head. And so when he uh, eventually came up with the idea of Erie International, um, he reached out to Andy, um, who was uh, also a listener of Generation Animation and was a big, like, long-time horror fan. David had this awakening one year where he started watching horror films over um, Halloween and he was just like, oh, man, I actually really love this stuff. Um, so he kind of came to it through that. And then he wanted a third host that didn't really have a massive background in horror, but could talk for England. And so that helped, you know. So I ended up coming on as kind of like the horror virgin, so to speak. But now um, you're, you've got more experience, let's say, because of the stuff you guys yeah, have seen. This is the funny thing, is that I didn't think that I knew much or anything about horror. I didn't have any opinion about horror, and I didn't particularly like horror. That's what I thought. And then we started talking about movies, and I was like, yeah, I've seen this. I've seen this. I really like that. <laughs> it turns out, actually, I really liked horror. I just don't like jump scares. That's what I don't like. That's fair. Um, I'm not big on the meter. Yeah. Even though we just talked that is a good one in Jaws. Yeah, well, this is the thing. If they're really well done, I like them. But I think that the problem today, uh, and, and what has been the case for a long time, actually, is that instead of making a properly horrifying movie with genuine scares, it's far too easy for somebody to go, Boo, in yeah, the middle you gotta, of the you gotta properly build it up. You gotta earn it. Exactly. Cheap jump scares are the number one pet peeve of mine They're in annoying. any. They are really annoying because they they make you scared. They make you jump, and you don't get that relief afterwards of laughing about how. Well, you do get that it relief. Well, it doesn't really last for me. Cause... It's not earned. Yeah, exactly. It, yeah. It's not crafted well. Um, I will say, really uh, if we're talking horror movies. I'm not going to make do a full reveal yet, but I originally reached out to you about a thriller movie that I think you'd like. I'm not going to say the title because I honestly still want to try and make this uh, this watch a reality someday because I think mm. I, it was a movie I was really floored by and I think you'd enjoy it as well. Uh, but it is currently inaccessible in the UK for streaming and I'm going to have to look into seeing if I can uh, get a new uh, uh, disk drive computer and maybe try ripping my Blu-ray. We'll see what happens. But have to do that down the line, absolutely. But yeah, it, it's one of the right now. The it's yeah, it's a struggle that we coming to contact with occasionally on the show. But oh, available in that, one country, but not the not the other. Yeah, and, and it's not a problem that you have very often. But if it comes up, it is a real pain in the ass to yeah. get around it. It really is. But yeah, yeah we could do that part of it is and... that I pick something really. It's really niche, but uh, <laughs> it was kind of a, borderline ones... lost for a while. Yeah, those are the best ones. Um, oh, dude, I, I hope you don't hide this up too much, but I think you're going to find some really cool stuff to talk about, and I'm going to have some neat stuff about the production of it. But it's a tease, folks, mm. maybe at Christmas, because it's it's a Christmas movie. 
That would absolutely work. Yeah, I would look for. I'd, I'd very much like to do that down the line at Christmas time Stay or something tuned. like I'm that. Gonna, I'm going to try and figure out a way to make it happen. But nice. um, so besides Gen Ed and Erie International, are there any other projects you've been pursuing in the in the three years since your last appearance? Yeah, a couple of things. Um, I've been doing the YouTube grind um, for the right. last couple of years. You've been doing like some uh, Let's Plays. That's right, yeah. So a channel called Dave Plays, which is highly original, and if you search for it, there's like a dozen channels with the same name. <laughs> um, my one is uh, is particularly focused at the moment on Pro Evolution Soccer, which ah. is a blessing and a curse. A blessing because I love Pro Evolution Soccer, and a curse because I love Pro Evolution Soccer. Um <laughs> And and uh, Konami apparently don't like Pro Evolution Soccer Konami because they doesn't like much stuff that isn't pachinko these days. Unfortunately, that's true. They they've just announced in the last week actually that uh, Pro Evolution Soccer is no longer going to be called that. They're mm. rechristening it eFootball, uh, which we kind of saw in the pipeline the last couple of years. The last couple of versions were called eFootball Pro Evolution Soccer. They're going after the online PvP crowd, which is completely yeah. understandable. I so get that. Like. Yeah, like FIFA have not done a good job of marketing themselves as the premier, you know, platform for esports. Mm. And esports is a massive, massive market, and it can get you an absolutely insane amount of uh, not just uh, press coverage, but like the income from being free to play. My- which- my, my dad was just telling me, because as I'm just recording, the Olympics are going on in Tokyo, that right. uh, they are actually researching maybe ways to incorporate incorporate esports into the future Olympics. Uh, it's a possibility. I yeah. would be very curious what that would look like, because I feel like they, they'd either have to be very choosy about what they pick or make something, make a game for that the Olympics. I mean, esports is is its own thing already, and it would be interesting to see whether or not they were willing to come under the yoke of the IOC, or whether they would want to just carry on doing their own thing. Yeah, there's probably a lot of red tape involved on maybe beyond that. Yeah, I mean, it's that, but also the fact that like we haven't had skateboarding and things like that in the Olympics until this time round, and uh, a a large point part of that was because like the X Games were pretty much like the de facto Olympic Games of extreme sports for quite some time. And so they didn't need it, and the IOC didn't really care for it, and eventually they managed to to get it included. But um, it's a struggle to get a new sport into the Olympics at the best of times, but for them to bring in a whole new branch of uh, Olympic competition, which... In the truest sense of Olympic competition, like it's supposed to be faster, longer, you know, harder, whatever the hell the the, the harder, the better, faster, stronger. Yeah, that that's exactly it. To to coin a uh, a very good phrase from a, a dearly departed <laughs> uh, pair of songs uh, songstresses or songsters. Well, they're not um, dead; just the band's dead. Yeah, the band's dead. Yeah, I rest in peace, Daft Punk. I miss you dearly. I yeah I don't know how soon that could happen if it ever will happen but you know for me personally there's a lot of sports which aren't in the Olympics yet that need to go in there before they branch into esports yeah um, stuff that's been around you know, longer is it, well it, it, there's a lot of stuff that I I cannot believe was only introduced in the last few Olympics you know um, I think karate has not been an Olympic sport until this turnaround in, in, in Japan, which is ridiculous. 
because karate is one of the the most practiced and well-known combat sports in the world but long running yeah somehow it hasn't been in the olympics which is kind of nuts but you know there you go but i don't know maybe i think esports is going to be huge and it already is huge you look at the money that that's involved in it already konami have decided they want in on that and um, they've made the game free to play it's going to be cross-platform it's going to be mobile console pc you can play each other apparently um regardless of what your device is oh cross yeah and and that's kind of where a lot of people have been really upset because it's a big shift it's the shift isn't the issue it's mobile being involved because you have to if you're going to have a platform which is on which is across uh, all of these different platforms then you have to cater to the lowest possible denominator. You have to make some changes, yeah. Yeah, and that's not to be critical of people that play on mobile because, like, I play games on my mobile phone all the time to pass the time. But mobile phones are not able to have the same level of nuance that, like, a next-gen... even if you do virtual buttons, you can't fit that many on it. Exactly, and animations are a problem, and how do you reconcile the fact that you've got someone on a PS5 that is going to have all of these lovely animations and someone that's going to be on a Pixel 4 who maybe doesn't? And the way that you do that is by making it so that everything scales down to the mobile version. And so a lot of people are very worried that the new version of Pez is essentially going to be a mobile game on console. and the fact compromised. It's compromised, yeah, exactly. And that is a problem for my channel because I love playing Pez and if it essentially just becomes the mobile equivalent, I don't know if I'm going to be making videos on that. So the future of my channel is kind of up in the air as far as that's concerned. Um, You might be able to find a new mainstay at least. Yeah, well, that's it. At the end of the day, I don't want to stop making videos. I, you know, I've I've worked pretty hard on that channel, and even though it's been two years and I've only got just over eight hundred subscribers at the moment, I've earned every single one of those subscribers, and I I don't want to just stop making content. So it's going to be a case of finding something else to play, whether that be moving over to FIFA. You know, horror, shock, horror. Hesitate the thought that I move over to FIFA, but it might have to happen, or just record other videos just entirely different genres of video um which i experimented with early on and it did all right but i didn't really enjoy it after a while uh kingdom hearts uh the second kingdom hearts game i I got kind of halfway through and just left it because i just wasn't having fun with it Um, you didn't like it as much as the first I didn't enjoy it as much as the first. It became more of a grind. And the one thing that I've picked up from other people is that if you're making videos on the game and you're not enjoying playing the game anymore, then people watching are going to be able to tell and it's not going to be interesting for them to watch. So Fair. I just kind of packed that in and moved over to, P- uh, to Pro Evolution Soccer. That's why I started doing those because I really enjoy playing those kind of games. And, and so that was what I was doing. Um, as well as that, I, this is the longest winded intro that you've probably ever had for a, a guest. So I'll, I'll keep it That's as short okay. as I can. It's content. <laughs> All hail the algorithm. I'm also doing another podcast. It's kind of a personal side project. I've been doing it for several years, but somehow I only have like 29 episodes so far. Uh, it's called the BS Cast. Right. And 
Um, it's just an excuse for me to get friends on and just talk about whatever the hell we want, which is where the name The BS Cast came from, because we were just shooting the shit. Um, might have to bleep that. Apologies. No, we, uh, this, is unc- this, this show's uncensored. You're fine. Oh, superb. Okay, that's awesome then. So, yeah, that, that's, that's where the name came from. And uh, I, I've been doing that for a, a few years. It used to have its own website. Now I'm just partnered with Acast, which is a really fancy way of saying that Acast allow you to host podcasts on their site for free. So that's what I'm doing. Nice. So bscast.com still takes you to a website, but now it takes you to my Acast page. Okay, um, I'll, I'll definitely uh, need to look into that one. Well, yeah, absolutely, especially if you enjoy Marvel, because we've become very Marvel-centric recently. Me and Tyler did um, pretty much, like, not day and date, but a couple of days after the fact, we were doing Loki reviews every nice. time that a new one came out. Um, I started to finish Loki, but I, I, I'm definitely, I've reviewed, we've reviewed almost every, since this podcast started, we reviewed nearly every Marvel movie that's come out uh, mm. as it has, and I don't see that stopping. Yeah, I, I don't see it stopping for me either. Not seen Black Widow yet, but you yeah. know there are exceptional circumstances to that one. So. Fair, fair. Yeah, yeah. I and, would say so. Um, and it's actually in the news right now because ScarJo's suing over profits. I don't blame her. I really don't. You know, it's, her it's contract, a weird situation, but she should get her due. Yeah, she should. Her contract was that she was going to get a share of the revenues from cinema release and. Disney just went over Kevin Feige's head apparently and said we're going to release this directly yeah. onto Disney Plus on and she's the not same. Get day. that cut and yeah, yeah. Uh, apparently um, Feige's on her side too, so fair. Yeah, yeah. But apparently, like the lawsuit is for fifty million dollars. Uh, I don't know if that would necessarily have been her cut, but uh, I, I guess there's. I don't think they released the uh, streaming numbers, so might be an estimate. But, yeah, uh, we'll um, see what happens with that. We will, yeah. Hopefully, they'll. I mean, you know that they're going to announce in a, like a six months' time that they've made an out of court settlement, and that'll be the end of that. Probably just as well that she's no longer a part of the Marvel universe. Yeah, I don't know if she would do this if she still had, if she still had, you know, if if she was, if the character was still alive. Yeah, possibly not. But um, you yeah, know, you she how awkward it would be if they had like just a few movies left. They decide to recast her like at this oh. point. Uh. Can you imagine? <laughs> But uh, we yeah. should. We that was a that was a cool intro we did. But we should get into. Uh, we have a couple topics to talk about, including Dave picked a really a really cool choice for our main discussion. Uh, he also has some stuff he's been watching that I want to talk about. But uh, I'll get into briefly what my recent game time has gone towards, and that is the Great Ace Attorney Chronicles, uh, specifically the Switch version. I will become a lawyer. I have to. Well, let me first ask. I already. Asked, did ask you this, but for the viewers, mm. Dave, you don't have uh, any hands-on experience with the Ace Attorney games, right? No, no. So I, I had a Nintendo DS Lite back yeah. in the day. That's where it started and in was, the States. Mm, and, and it was tempting to uh, to pick it up, but I never really played that much on my DS in the end. It was very much my brain training machine. Um, oh, Brain Edge. Yeah, and so I ended up just kind of leaving that and... Um, and, and uh, playing other stuff. And uh, yeah, never got around to it. But I do have a Switch, and this is kind of the perfect thing for me to pick up for that. Yeah, because it's not just this, but they did uh, remaster the first 3DS games for Switch and pretty much every modern console. The 3DS ones, though, I think the only other platform, the those that, that well, Ace Attorney 5 and 6, 
Uh, I think Ice Seven Four is on as we got remastered too, and then five and six are still only on 3DS and iOS. So here's hoping they get on Switch and other stuff someday because I five is one of my favorites. But um, yeah, it's do you have any any familiarity with the characters and how the game works? Um, so I have very little outside of the memes. Um, I'm sure everyone's seen the memes with. Um... <laughs> With the attorney just kind of pointing and saying, that's a lie, or something or like objection. that. Objection. Objection, that's a big one, yeah. That's like the um, catchphrase. Yeah, but that's literally all I know about it. I think, was there some kind of Detective Pikachu crossover? No, there, was, might... a pro- there was a Professor Layton crossover. Oh, oh, Professor Layton, that's right. That's another game that I never got around to playing. That's a good series. Um, um, yeah. And the crossover DS. was fun too. DS is just full of these little things that... Uh, I should have played, but I never did because I just kind of ignored the platform once I had it. It was very, mm. very poor of me. I mean, if you ever get a 3DS, you can get those cheap and it's backwards compatible with the DS. Oh, nice. So, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely look into it. It's Yeah, I actually, I actually, cute story. I have a cousin whose kid is like probably like 9 or 10 now. He's, mm. he's over the years gotten way into Nintendo and now PlayStation. And he has gotten really into breath of the wild and Pokemon in general. And he's talking to me about wanting to try the older games and like the older systems, including 3ds. Uh, so, you know, yeah. it's never, I mean, my point is it's never too late, but yeah, Ace Attorney is interesting because it's a Capcom series, but it feels so it's, it's a, it's done in a, in a way and a genre that feels so much more indie and streamlined. Cause it's a visual novel. There's like, mm. there's no real time action in that series. It's like, 90% reading cutscenes and 10%, you know, logic deductions where, or like a point and click adventure uh, investigation. Cause typically it's, it's split into two halves each chapter or is it, or each chapter is like a separate case. Cause you're the idea is that in each game, whatever, whoever, cause they're different protagonists uh, and you're always defending a, a murder suspect and the idea is that they're always innocent and you got to crack the case and figure out what's really going on. And half the chapter is going to like crime scenes and related uh, environments and interviewing witnesses, uh, associates, that sort of stuff and collecting evidence. And then the real highlight is the trials where people come up and give like their statements or, or their and, – and you cross-examine their – oh, the testimonies. you And you cross-examine the testimonies and that's where you kind of have to find discrepancies and contradictions like – because every mm. piece of evidence has a text description and everything. It, like there's, there's very little voice acting even to this day, which is a shame because uh, the new one's got some good anime voice actors for like when they do cutscenes every now and then. And this one had some neat, uh, some British actors. I'm actually gonna get to that. There's some stuff that might interest too. And this, uh, and so you find discrepancies and, and gradually get to the bottom of things. And it's very, it, it is famously. It's very satisfying when you when you whenever you make progress because it's a series that you can really feel the odds are really against you. Like you've got so much evidence, so much testimony, and you just you just find this one thing to wriggle wriggle your way out of things. Like it, you find one small thing and it grows from there. Like this is this is odd, and then it just they're very well written in that way, and they have these very over the top anime characters and reactions. It's surprisingly mm-hmm. lighthearted most of the time, despite being a murder mystery most of the time. It, it's an interesting way to take a, a visual novel because a, a lot of the time when you're talking about visual novels, you're talking about stuff like, uh, I don't know, like Doki Doki Literature Club, which, yeah. um, you know, is very kind of horror-based, but actually 
it dresses itself up as more of that harem kind of love story thing, the which is very, very I think that's common. the most common visual novel. Dating sims, very, very common. Um, yes. Sometimes raunchy, sometimes wholesome. Uh, yeah, and, and almost always both, which is great. Uh, <laughs> well, then, they, that's why they're niche. <laughs> niche, definitely niche. Um, God, I, I bought one way back in the day for PC, and to this day I've never unwrapped it to play it. It was called Ever17. Um, I don't know why I bought it or where I bought it from, but it was an import. I think I might have bought it from uh, one of these uh, like American anime uh, sites. Um, oh, maybe they had it on sale. Yeah, I think maybe that was it. Uh, I plenty of impulse buys on Steam that I've never bought, but they were on sale. I never oh, played, yeah. but they were on sale. Yeah, I mean, I have Doki Doki Literature Club on Same. Steam. Never got around to playing it. No, and uh, I, I keep meaning to. Yeah, it's one of those. And, and now that they've released uh, an updated version, yeah. which is like an editor's, uh, not an editor's, director's a director's cut kind of thing. Um I'm kind of tempted to buy it again, which is annoying. Maybe I can, I, I don't think, know, maybe there's an upgrade or something. I think the original was free. That's the thing. Oh, um, God damn it. I paid for that. <laughs> oh, yeah. So like I said, there have been six mainline Ace Attorney games. There have been two spinoffs where you play as a prosecutor at the crime scenes. And this is kind of an interesting case because do you know about the history of these two like prequel games? No, I don't know. Okay, so here's the crazy thing. This, I, I... When they switched to the 3DS, they did do Ace Attorney 5 and 6, but the creator and head guy on the series didn't work on those. He both directed the uh, Leighton crossover, and then around the same time, he worked on these two games for the 3DS, and I want to say the first one came out in like 2015 in Japan, and they never localized them until then, until now. Oh, okay. And they, even though, you know, apparently people who, you know, played the import said it was really good and the sequels, same thing, and they did well in Japan, uh, maybe just because of the nature of these these two games compared to the main series, it just seemed like a hard sell. And so for a long time, these were assumed, you'll never, we're never going to get these. And there were actually people working on fan translations, like patches and that sort of stuff. Mm. Uh, and then lo and behold, I can't remember if it was early this year or late last year, I want to say this year, uh, Capcom just came out and out of the blue and said, "Yeah, we're we're bundling both these uh, these great Ace Attorney games and localizing them for the first time." And I was like, "I if if this is, it, I shouldn't ignore something like this where you know they would probably seem pretty unsure about it." So here's the thing, and the reason this was a hard sell: OG Ace Attorney does take place in modern day Japan, but the localization has kind of changed it to. A, a, a U.S. with some Japanese influence, like folklore and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, part of that is because a lot of character names in both languages are very pun-heavy, very pun-centric. Um, uh, I think I think my favorite is uh, a kind of magician-type guy call, in the third Ace Attorney called in, – in English, he's called Luke at me. <laughs> um, <laughs> stuff like that. And – this was a case where they firmly said it in the late 1800s in both Japan and the UK. Mm. Uh, so, and I want to say like, the, yeah, it, I have it written down. It's uh, Victorian England and Meiji era Japan. Uh, late 1800s, they talk about it being near the start of the 1900s and that sort of stuff, like going into the yeah. 20th century. And I'll admit, I, I know my US history, but I've never been the best on world history. But I, I guess the idea that this is when 
relations between these two countries were really blowing up, and there was a lot of uh, of that Western influence going into Japan, and a lot mm-hmm. of like boat boat trips back and forth, and people visiting both countries. And this this goes heavily into that, where your main guy, who is uh, Ryonosuke, 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 something like that, he is the ancestor of Phoenix Wright, the original uh, protagonist, and. He does his first trial in Japan and for the first case and then heads over to uh, the second uh, case is actually – they mix up the structure a little bit because typically, like I said, it's an investigation then a trial. The second chapter is all investigation when there's another murder mystery on the ship he's on. And then the third one seems to be maybe not I – because mean, I'm midway through the third and I don't know if there's investigation but it, so far it's only trial. So there's, there's some right. shakeups there. But – so beyond just the setting, uh, it there's there's other other factors that that come into play with that setting. Like there's there's I've experienced a little of it, but I guess there's more that goes on. Where you know, considering the time period, there's a lot of xenophobia. So you've got uh, people in the jury in the jury and the witnesses who from the UK who are you know looking down on Ryunosuke, like oh Japan is so inexperienced with with our our justice system. What do you what do you expect and that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. And the other, the more lighthearted one is, and maybe one of the reasons this took so long to come out, is the character of Herlock Sholmes. Uh, so, uh, uh. and his assistant, Wilson. And oh, um, okay. <laughs> so the idea is, uh, no, they did confirm, basically, when they, when these games came out in Japan, it was Holmes and Watson, but uh, the Doyle estate is furiously protective of that sort of stuff, so they kind of came down to, no, you can't call them that. So they just did a workaround. That's kind of weird, because my understanding is that Sherlock Holmes is in the uh, the public uh, sector now. Like, anyone can can use it if they want to. I mean, um, if you've got the money, you can kind of prevent that. It's the same thing with Disney and why you don't see Mickey Mouse in the public domain, you know. No, I, I get that. It's just there are so many adaptations of Sherlock Holmes, like even, like, House... Which, when you mentioned that uh, Watson's name in this is Wilson, I was like, oh, they're just mining house for ideas for names now. Because Wilson, the, the doctor who is best friends with house, is the uh, the Watson analogue oh. uh, to house's uh, homes. Because like house, essentially, is what if Sherlock Holmes was a grumpy doctor in, the modern in modern day. day America? Yeah. Interesting. Man. Um, so the funny thing is the way they, 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 they explain it in this world is that Holmes is a real life, uh, you know, brilliant detective and he's mm. so popular. He has stories based on his escapades. Ah, uh, clever. And so it's kind of saying like, this is the real version of what happened. And the funny thing is Holmes, he is smarter than most at analyzing the crime scene, but a gameplay mechanic is that he usually gets key points wrong. And so even when you're not in, uh, the trial, you still do some corrections where it'll like go statement through statement where he's like literally like dancing around the the area like saying like well this suspicious point is like look at look at the scissors you have in your hand you were you were going to attack someone and then uh Ryunosuke can observe the scene around him and be like no this person was in disguise they were going to cut their hair to blend in and uh and so that's kind of I like that you can still do these they've done different takes on like being able to make because the deductions are the most fun and satisfying part of Ace Attorney and earlier entries didn't have that when the exploratory phase so I'm glad they keep putting new spins on that um mm. I'll also say uh I'm kind of funny with the Ace Attorney games cuz I I feel like 
the people really hold the first three main games in high regard and everything since is considered lesser. And I'm like, maybe it's, uh, I don't know if it's, what, maybe you know. Don't people say like it's the even numbered Star Trek films that are considered the weaker ones or the or the stronger ones? Oh, it's, it's something like oh, that. Re- yeah, yeah. The the even numbered ones. The easy way of remembering it is that Wrath of Khan is the best Star Trek film. That's and that's even. Yeah, um, that's two. Yeah. Good point. Okay, I'm kind of the inverse of that with Ace Attorney because I think of that original trilogy. One and three are strong, and then two is decent. Two does have one of the best endings, but there's some weaker middle cases. And then um, the fourth one where they try to push a new new. Uh, protagonist and cast and work as well because uh, in that one you play as a guy called apollo justice and phoenix right is a retired it's a, they do a time skip and he's a retired very different character but i think they got mm. so much backlash that for five and six he's back in the lawyer's suit and kind of acting dopey again um they kind of <laughs> divorced that and i think five uh dual destinies was a really strong one and then spirit of justice the follow-up felt a little weaker i think one thing that can be uh symbolic of that or is uh, because it's always a fun thing. So every main game has a different prosecutor. Sometimes you'll have recurring uh, attorneys, but you'll have a different prosecutor that you'll who will be your main foe in the court courtroom. Mm. And I think the ones in the in the odd numbers entries are really strong, and the ones in the even number ones tend not to be. And it's a yeah. little. I'm a little. It's a little early to tell with this one, where it's a, a guy called Van Zeeks who looks like if Dracula was a handsome young anime boy. Like he's very elegant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like looking. he is in most anime anyway. <laughs> uh, he was he was older in Castlevania, but that's but yeah, that's what I'm saying. If it's a natural <laughs> anime, they'd they'd pretty and and like young him up. Uh, yeah, but uh, so there's that, and there's also like uh, there's not as much that's like really hitting me. Like some of the the to be fair, I'm not at the end. A lot of the time, the last cases are where Ace Attorney game is shine because that's when they really up the stakes and bring like lingering plot threads to a close. I'm also hearing people who have played both already say that the sequel, uh, Ace Attorney Two, is is the better of the two. Like they've learned some lessons. But even so, I'm still having a fun time, and I gotta say, as a collection and as like if we're talking financial gameplay to money ratio, this game, if you play both of them, it's supposed to take you forty to fifty hours. And if you get this on consoles, it's sixty bucks on Steam, but on PlayStation and Switch, it's only forty. So I think it's a steal. That's a good price for by a, a multiple game collection, definitely. Or, yeah, it's um, a two game collection and not three, but they're they're pretty lengthy games. And mm. apparently, the, the people are saying compared to the other Attorney games, the stories from this flow really really better when you go for if you're going from one to two without a pause. Uh, I think they say there are even plot threads that weren't wrapped up in the first; they get wrapped up in two. Oh, uh, damn. It kind of makes more sense for them to bundle them together then in that case. Yeah, it's also nice for us that we don't have to wait, like get one localized and then keep waiting for the other. It's like, here it is all at once, go for it. Uh, I'm definitely going to be sticking more time into it. And yeah, it's a series. I'd recommend uh, if you're still curious about playing them on like your Switch or or your PlayStation or whatever, uh, Mm. you can either go with this or the original trilogy. I guess there are maybe some callbacks. I've spotted at least one character in the first case who I'm positive is meant to be the ancestor of another character. But it's pretty standalone overall, from what I've seen. And they might have they might have intended it as like a, a jumping on point for those who are newcomers to the series. Yeah, I I think that um, the you know, the fact that I I the reason I didn't play it on uh, DS uh, being that uh, I didn't really use my DS that much. Fair. This is the perfect time for me to buy it on Switch, so that I cannot play it on Switch as well. Um, well, at least you buy it. <laughs> Oh man, like I love my Switch, but I very rarely use it. It just kind of sits there collecting dust. Um, Do you use it with but, PlayStation more or your PC or? 
Yeah, I, I use PlayStation a lot more. And um, if, you know, during the day, when I try to not be in my room constantly, right. then the PC is kind of like the place where I'll end up spending a lot of time playing football manager or something like that. Uh, uh, it all comes back to football. <laughs> it does. It does. I'm very football centric. I'm European. I can't help it. Fair, fair. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, great Ace Attorney Chronicles so far from what I've played. Uh, very solid. I now I will do a little disclaimer. Maybe my like that like I said, that kind of criteria I have for what the best and weakest ace attorneys are, that might not apply to others. Cause and I think part of it is if we're talking similar series gameplay wise, uh Dog and Rampa really st- stuck with me a lot a lot harder. Have you played that at all? Uh no. No, I've not. Also on PlayStation and coming to Switch this fall, so I'd say uh consider it on either, but that's a lot more like brutal and like extreme in terms of the deaths and where i think part of it that what helps is that it's it they do a lot to make you more endeared to the cast and mm. part of it is the emotional turmoil that comes when you know inevitably you'll have favorites who get killed or or found guilty because the idea yeah. is that they're all trapped together and it can only be one of them who who kills or gets killed right um, and they're always like offering like character revelations that come with it those are those are awesome games uh, so, but we're not talking about Danganronpa. We're talking about Ace Attorney. Now we're wrapping that up. So, uh, for our next thing, this is going to be a little bit of a uh, hodgepodge because I think we're going to go back and forth between four different shows. But I, I always like to ask uh, guests about recent media they've been uh, consuming. And when I asked Dave, he rattled off four different shows. But mm-hmm. since uh, since we don't, we're not on a time limit today. I'm like, why don't we just talk about all of them and make it back and forth? So. Altogether, Demon Slayer, Fire Force, Super Cub, and Godzilla Singular Point. Dave, you're on an anime kick. Where do you want to start with us? Yo! <laughs> Let's start with. Um, I want to save Super Cub till last because okay. uh, that's one that I definitely uh, want to kind of like pique people's interest on. Um, should we go with Godzilla Singular Point to start with? Sure. So I know there's been kind of an influx of uh, Godzilla anime over the past couple of years. They've done some movies, and then this is a show, right? Yeah, so this was a um, a, a serialization which was made by Netflix. Um, right. It released on a weekly basis in Japan first, and then launched all in one go in uh, Europe and uh, America a few weeks ago. Um, I couldn't wait for it to come out, so I found somewhere that I could watch it. Uh, like a, a fan sub ahead of time nice. and I was watching it week in week out and uh, like I was constantly saying to David on uh, Erie International I can't wait for you to be able to watch this because this is so so good all of us on um, Erie International enjoyed Shin Godzilla which was a uh, one of the more recent Japanese Godzilla movies that came out um, and it, it really kind of plays around with the idea of Godzilla as a, a constantly evolving kaiju so he's not just stompy fat boy uh classic godzilla in that film he starts as a sea monster and then he slowly evolves into what we know more closely as being godzilla oh so he's a pokemon kind of yeah like he's a giant destructive pokemon uh fueled by atomic energy he doesn't walk around saying godzilla though that's the only problem which (laughs) that'd be cute yeah, that would be cute. Actually, no, if you're watching Japanese, he'd be saying Gojira. That's true. That's very true. Uh, but, you know, in the truest uh, traditions of Pokemon, uh, a lot of the time, apart from Pikachu, 
um, a, a lot of the Pokemon actually have completely different names in Japan anyway than they do in in the West. So yes, because the, no. it's, it's it's like Ace Attorney. There's usually a pun involved. Um, exactly. I think my exactly. go-to example is how Meowth, who we know as Meowth, is Niath, Nias, or something like that in uh, yeah. Japan, because it's basically taking their sound, their their cat noise, and sticking an extra little sound at the end. Yeah, I I love the, the the way that Japan comes up with names of certain things is great because they're very onomatopoeic. So, um, Nian is the 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 word for cat in Japan, which but most people will know anyway because of the whole kind of like uh, Nian cat meme with the little cat with the rainbow flying out of its ass. Um, I, I know it for uh, Nianers, who's a bizarro VTuber. <laughs> Ah, there we go then. I mean, there are many very different ways of knowing these things, but we all come to it in the same place, um, which is that whenever somebody tries to make a meowing noise in Japanese, it, they will go, nyah, nyah. Yep. Yep. So, you know, very much onomatopoeic. They take the noise and then they turn it into a word. Um, big fan of that. I, I, I really enjoy whenever that's done in language in general. In, in English, we don't do it nearly as much as we should. The only example I can think of, and it's not really even a proper example, is the word orange, which also refers to the fruit, which is called an orange. And it's because <laughs> it's orange in colour. That's literally yeah, it. We don't call apple a, we don't call an apple a red. Exactly. We, we don't call lemons yellows. We call them lemons. Sour little bastards though they are. Anyway, um Godzilla Singular Point is so, so good. It's got this absolutely banging intro theme. Um Ooh which I cannot remember the name of the band who I'm perform it. I'm looking it up. Oh, thank you, sir. But yes, it's got a brilliant intro theme. It's got a range of characters, all human. It very cleverly sidesteps the major issue that a lot of people always seem to have with Godzilla uh, content, which is... Which is I'm sorry? Which, I'm asking what that is. What that is. Oh, so the the main concern that most people have is that there's too much humans and not enough monsters? Yeah, and that the humans aren't interesting is the big problem. Yeah, well, these humans are very interesting. Um, you, you've got an it's, absolute... It's like, it's like a bunch of high schoolers, right? Um, it's a mixture, really. Oh. There's, there's a lot of young adults involved. Uh, like the uh, the main protagonist, if you can call her that, is a uh, a college grad who uh, apparently is the only person who is able to understand the complex scientific workings of this guy that's kind of gone missing. Um, mm. uh, her name is May Camino. Um, she's uh, okay, she's a yeah. great. Uh, I, yeah, I um, have a character list pulled up, and she's the first one. Her and Yoon Arakawa is he like number two? Yeah, uh, yeah. That's uh, so. Yoon is, um, if I'm remembering correctly, now. Uh, he, he's voiced by Johnny Young Bosch in the yeah. English version. So of I'm course, looking, he's the main character. I, Johnny Young Bosch is actually one of the Ace Attorney main characters. I'm looking at this is oh, a this, this is a good uh, yeah. Did you watch it dubbed or subbed? Um, so I started by watching it subbed uh, because there wasn't a choice. And um, did the uh, Netflix hit? Netflix hit, and I watched the rest of it in the dub. And the dub was okay, but I ended up going back and rewatching it subbed because. Oh, okay. I just kind of fell in love with that particular voice cast. Yeah, um, this this is a good. I I don't know my seiyu, my Japanese voice artist. This is a good dub cast. Yeah, Cassandra Morris, Johnny. Oh, Keith Silverstein. Is that? I'm sorry. This is, I'm getting off course. I just like to. <laughs> I I always do this with cartoons. 
It's um, no problem at all. No problem at all. Um, so uh, Yun is, um, and I, I'm, I'm furiously scrolling through to try to remember because it's been a while since I've seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it is Yun. Um, so he's this like silver-haired yes. kind of good-looking kid. Um, he's an absolute genius as well, but he kind of like he's a deve- an AI developer on the side. So he's developed this phone AI, which. When you download it, it's basically like uh, the AI from Her, if you've ever seen that film. Oh, yes, I have. It's it's ScarJo. It all comes full circle. Again, it's it's full circle once again with Scarlett Johansson. Um, the AI is going to sue you. Yeah, probably. Uh, so <laughs> I hope not. I haven't got the money. Um, so th- this AI, uh, when you download it, it, it's basically like a personal assistant. It's always on. It's always talking to you. Um, it will look up stuff for you and, and basically act as your own personal PA. Um, so May downloads this AI and um, it ends up being known as uh, as, as Pelops 2. Um, and it's a really cute little kind of like Akiba um, dog avatar. Um, really cute voice. And what's really clever about that particular character is that even though it's an AI and it eventually does kind of get some kind of body that it's able to control um, so that it can kind of interact in the real world sense. Yeah. Uh, it is, its personality is completely based on the PC that it is, or or whatever electronic device it's downloaded onto. So it will look into your files, it will look into what you like. The reason it, it looks like an, a little Akiba is because she's really mad keen on dogs. So oh, she has it, good taste. Yeah, so it looks through all of her image files, and it's just like, oh, she likes Akibas. I'm going to look like an Akiba. Um, you said it has. Does it? Does, does it talk? It does. Yeah. 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 Oh, I'm looking. You um, said it had a cute voice. It's uh, it's more. It's Morgan for Persona Five. If you're watching the dub. Yes. Um. So Cassandra, Cassandra Morris is just. She's awesome. She, she, she also does a great. Rampa. There you go, Danganronpa. That's that is one that uh, I should have said at the time. I I've heard a lot about. I do mean to watch it, but. Uh, Oh, the games are better. Oh, okay, okay. But again, like Misaki Kuno is is the the voice actor in the uh, Japanese original and and does a really good job because it's a very cutesy kind of sounding character. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyway, I'm I'm not here to give a full uh, breakdown of of all of the characters. Um, The the one character that I should mention is uh, Goro, uh, Goro Ataki, who is uh, Yun's boss. And is essentially a mad scientist. Oh my and he god! Tre- I'm looking up his design. He looks like a kook. He's amazing. He's got that really kind of like traditional Japanese mentalist kind of look. Yeah, the headband. Like yeah, the headband, the missing teeth, the squat look with the bulging eyes and everything. He's he's a mad scientist. He creates what was originally rumored to be the main character of the show and in a way does end up becoming the main character uh, a, a robot called jet jaguar that um, yeah that's 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 from godzilla i remember the mst3k and stuff with jet jaguar yeah so they they've got jet jaguar in this it's very much kind of reminiscent of those kind of early 60s like late 50s early 60s japanese um kind of tin robots that you've probably seen knocking about the ones where like you roll them across the floor and they'll like have sparks in their chest and stuff yeah um because they were very cheap to make and tin was a very readily available material in japan at that time and so that's why they were common 
It's got a great look. The The animation is really, really well done. It's got lovely sound design to it. The moment that you hear the Godzilla theme for the first time, and I'm talking OG Godzilla theme, you know, oh, yeah. like Samoa Joe, kind of... Yeah. They use it every chance they get. And the first time I heard it, I had proper goosebumps. And then the first time that I heard it while a kaiju that looked like it might be Godzilla turned up, I was like, oh, they've done it. Godzilla doesn't really turn up until the back half of this series. And it's not a problem because it's so well done, this story. Um, like you, don't, but, you don't care so much that it's about the no, exactly. you, you know it's coming. You know Godzilla right. is coming because, first of all, his name's in the title. You're not going to have something called Godzilla if you're not going to have Godzilla in it. Uh, but it's very much based on like humans surviving the other kaiju that turn up. And it's just got lots of lovely little nods to different versions of Godzilla and different uh, different kaiju within the Godzilla universe. Um, there's a brilliant reference to Mothra near the end, mm. um, which I'm hoping, because they have already said that there's going to be a season two, I'm hoping down the line we do see Mothra. Oh, they fall through, yeah. Yeah, she's she's my queen. Like especially after the um uh the the Godzilla movie that came out with with Mothra as one of the the main um kaiju that turned up. King of the Monsters? Um, uh yeah. Yeah. yeah I it, very good film. Yeah, Enjoyed that was it. that I was very pleasantly surprised by it. Yeah, it's just, it it was everything I wanted from a Godzilla it movie. It was what I wanted the for the previous movie to be, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, which is fair enough. I, I like that movie, but I know that I'm kind of in the minority there because it, it kind of suffers with what this TV series doesn't, which is humans not doing particularly interesting yeah, things. Yeah, then they got better with them in, in the sequel, and now they sound like they go in even further with them in this. So yeah, yeah. sound like they're directly addressing uh, what the other, you know, because it needs, we need, you know, you do need humans in a Godzilla movie to have dialogue and uh, yeah. a, a comprehensible plot. But you got to make I mean, them engaging so you're not just wanting Godzilla and nothing but. Exactly. Although, funnily enough, uh, Shin Godzilla does the exact opposite. And it does it in a way uh, on, on, on such purpose that you're just like, I admire the big brass balls on you for trying this. Because essentially what they do with Shin Godzilla is they make it into this kind of like thick of it style political comedy where it's like ah. an, inept, an inept government tries to deal with a kaiju incident and it's all just red tape and just like meetings and people saying well why don't we do this and then someone just points out well he's a hundred foot monster that breathes radiation i don't think that a nuclear bomb is a good idea sir you oh know? God, i'm looking at the wikipedia description and it just says in the film politicians struggle with bureaucratic red tape in order to deal with the sudden appearance of a giant monster there you go there you go um it's it's a really fun movie that but for reasons that completely escape mainstream because like the mainstream is very much kind of like no we want human characters that we can relate to that are interesting to watch and it's like no this is the thick of it <laughs> and the sooner you realize this the better wow. um this is very much kind of like political comedy um with a kaiju thrown in for good measure and made by uh, hideaki Anno. it just gets yes. weirder it gets weirder. Um, but yeah, what, what the reason I keep mentioning uh, Shin Godzilla is because they were the first ones that I saw that approached Godzilla as an ever-evolving monster. And that's something which definitely comes into play with uh, Godzilla Singular Point, 
there is this secondary plot which ties in, which is all about string theory and alternate realities and time being not so much a flat circle as kind of like a series of flat circles which intersect at different points. And if you already know the answer to the question, can you figure out the question in time to send it back in time to make people come up the question and the answer? It's it's very overly complicated. To be honest with you, I kind of checked out on some of the overly technical conversations they were having it tries to be a little bit too much Ghost in the Shell standalone complex wow. when it really shouldn't be because I don't think anybody has ever done techno babble to an engaging point like standalone complex manages. And even then, it leaves a lot of people cold and a lot of people confused, including me, and I love it. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, that aside, that is like its one weakness is, is that sometimes it tries, I think, to overreach on the... Um, aren't we clever we're talking about all of these high concept ideas kind of things uh when really they should just concentrate on big robot fighting big monster yeah. uh, in erect tokyo because that's the selling point that's what we associate um, with godzilla exactly back to the animation very briefly i know that not everyone is a huge fan of this um uh but uh if anybody has seen the previous godzilla anime which was on netflix right which is a three-part ova if i'm remembering them my past like that it was a mini series sort of yeah um so it has a very similar animation style to blam um which is spelled b-l-a-m-e um that's also on netflix and knights of cydonia um it's those are cg yeah, so it's CG, but it's kind of cell shaded and yeah. it's it's a special kind of cell shading where it almost looks like watercolour in some ways. Oh, interesting. And it's not to everyone's cup of tea and they limit the amount of use in Godzilla to the kaiju. But it is very obviously... Are you, are you talking about a singular point? Yes, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, they don't, they don't blend great, would you say? They they stand out, but I think that actually works to their favour because the kaiju are alien. And they um, are meant to stand out. <laughs> they're meant to stand out, yeah, exactly. Like they're giant you know, radiation-breathing monsters with red mist around them. So they kind of stand out like a sore thumb anyway. So the otherworldly nature of that particular type of animation design works for it in that instance. Uh, but the rest of the show is unabashedly 2D cel-shading traditional if if not nice. traditional then cg done in a way where it feels at least like it's well integrated yeah uh, yeah where cell shading has has really improved over the years have you seen like how like the new guilty gear games look or dragon ball fighters no no Man, i've not it's, it's, i know the genre it's not even like it, it's a real-time video game but it just looks so natural it's very impressive mm. I recommend looking up on YouTube. So we still have three more shows to discuss. So I know yeah. you said we want to save save for last. So would you rather talk Demon Slayer or Fire Force next? Um, let's talk Fire Force. Um, this is something I've, I'm actually meaning to watch. Yeah. So I've I've been meaning to watch this for a while as well. It's one of those shows that whenever you're on Crunchyroll and you don't have the uh, the, the paid version, you'll see adverts for Fire Force quite a lot. And it's a really cool idea for a show. And I had I, I understood the basic concept of it before I saw it. But until I saw the first few episodes, I didn't really know exactly what I was letting myself in for. So my best way to explain Fire Force 
is Backdraft has a love child with My Hero Academia. Okay. Um, okay. So I, I'm a big fan of Backdraft. It's a really, really fun movie. You know, uh, I never I, saw it. I was a kid. So it's it's. I think it's Billy Baldwin. I can't remember all the Baldwin's names, but um, it's one of the Baldwins is a firefighter. Um, it's, yeah, it's Billy Baldwin and Billy Kurt Russell. Baldwin. Kurt Russell's in it as well, and um, he's a member of a fire department. And uh, there's this uh, number of fires which take place, um, and they think that there is someone starting them but they can't really prove who. And then it gets into kind of like the... There's some intrigue going on with who it could be, and it all turns out to be kind of like an inside job kind of thing. And then, of course, My Hero Academia is basically just kids learning how to use their powers. Yeah, which I also need to watch uh, beyond the first, like, two, three episodes. Really fun series. Definitely yeah. worth sticking with. It's been a big um, hit. Fire, so, yes, yeah, it's huge. Like, I, I think that it took over from um, Attack on Titan. Yeah, and, sounds about right. Attack on Titan never recovered, uh, really, from from that. Once the first series was done, like everyone kind of lost track of that. And there, was, there was a gap between the seasons too. It was a huge gap, and and also like you're never going to recover from having an iconic first season intro like that. Oh my uh, god, yes! Like you're you're never going to beat that. So why bother? And maybe that was part of the problem. But yeah, so Fire Force, it, it's uh, about a. Um, an alternate version of Tokyo where the fire service has been combined with religious organizations huh. as well as the military. And also there's a backdrop of these things called pyrokinetics or pyrokinesis users. There are first generation, second generation and third generation. So the first generation are people that basically just spontaneously combust and turn into these almost like demons called uh, Infernals. And uh, it's the job of the Fire Force, basically, to take them out. Okay, uh, so they're like exterminators. Kind of, yeah. The second and third generation pyrokinesis users uh, have control over fire and, and don't run the risk of turning into Infernals themselves. Right. And a lot of them end up being drafted into the Fire Force including the main character, um, whose uh, name is escaping me right now. I'll look it up one second. I should uh, have that. He's, he's a brilliant character design. Uh, Shinra? Shinra. How could I forget a name like Shinra? I mean, Final Fantasy VII was all about them. <laughs> so yeah, his name's Shinra. Uh, Shinra Kusakabe, that's it. So he's, he's a third gen. Um, his nickname is Devil's Footprints, and the reason for that is because his particular type of pyrokinesis is that he can generate fire from his feet, and so he uses that to fly and to use really oh, powerful. Seeing, yeah, I'm seeing images that where he's he's pulling this off. Yeah, um, the design of his outfit is tailored to him, so the trousers are slightly sh shorter so that they don't burn. He's got well, a brilliant. One of the first Google images is an ad for a body pillow. Thanks, Google. Ah, body pillows. How did we ever live without body pillows, eh? I don't know. Ask James Franco. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, uh, he uh, the first episode does a really good job of introducing him. Um, he uh, basically is on a, like a train platform, and there's like an infernal event that takes place. Uh, and his unit, before he's been introduced to them for the first time because he's a new recruit, turn up and deal with the infernal. But mm -hmm. he 
ends up kind of stepping in and helping out. And you don't know exactly what's going on, except that he's got this really evil-looking smile. He's got red eyes, and you're like, I don't know if I should trust this guy. He's got, like, pointy teeth. Mm, he I'm, does. Yeah. And he's often referred to as a devil, and I, I think they do a really interesting thing here. He, he's one of very few characters, main characters. Like, he is very much the lead character of the entire series. Right they set him up to look like such a villain and you're convinced before you know him at all that he is a villain. But and is he actually have... a really nice guy or does he have some... Yes. No, he's a really, really nice guy with a super troubling background. Oh. Um, and, like, he he looks evil as sin and that's yep. kind of his curse because he's a really nice kid. Um, he has this really weird nervous looking smile which apparently yeah. is a nervous tick like whenever he's nervous he smiles and basically his cheeks get pulled back and he bears these teeth and yeah he, he, he looks, looks like he's scheming yes he does it's a really interesting choice for his design i'm only about eight episodes into this show so i i, I can't really speak too much about uh where it goes but my early indications and my my early uh thoughts on it are that it's very very good there's a uh, another character who turns up uh, the following day called arthur who basically thinks he's king arthur um <laughs> and he, he's got a sword which he powers using his pyrokinesis i'm pulling it up it looks very lightsaberish it's very lightsaberish so what that is it's a plasma blade because he superheats um, oh yeah he uses the the blade as as a way of controlling and focusing his pyrokinesis, yep. and he superheats it to the point of it turning to plasma. And he is your traditional pretty boy character. Like he is the kind of character that you would think, oh, main character. That's the kid that we're going to root for. And he he's he's a dumbass, absolute <laughs> dumbass. But but in the best ways, you know, like he thinks way too much of himself. He's a massive egomaniac. I don't think you'd ever be friends with him in real life. But there's something about his just dumb confidence in himself, which is endearing. Um, this sounds like there's some good humor there. There is. There is. Um, I've, I've watched it in dub form. Um, I'm not sure whether I'll bother with the sub, because I did watch the sub briefly, and um, it's okay. I like It's a very serviceable job. Yeah, but it's, it's Funimation, same same company as My Hero Academia, actually. Yeah, yeah, so they, they do a very good job normally of uh, localizing their anime. But I don't know. I, I think when I start off watching something in dub form, sorry, in, in sub form, um, I just get attached to the characters' voices. Um, so really, I should probably watch something by uh, listening to the, the dub first. I'm kind so of, I, yeah, I kind of have the inverse problem where I usually start with a dub if it's available, and then it's hard to switch. Yeah, well, normally I will, but for some reason, I just watched this starting off with the sub, and I I, I don't know, I, pro I might try switching over again, because the voice acting is very good. It's just that I, 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 I don't know, I just kind of attach to the voices yeah. that... Um, they associate with each character straight away. And if a show varies too much away from those voices, it can be a little bit disquieting for me. That's fair. Um, That's fair. Um, I will say one thing about uh, Fire Force that I know of just by proxy is 
and this just has to do with my weird anime obsessions, is that one of the characters, I believe Maki or Maki, uh, hmm. summons uh, a fireball that she names Boba Bobo Bobo Bo. Yes. Which, get, which gets immediately like put out or something like that, and she's hearing up yelling, Bobo Bo! And yeah. that's a big <laughs> reference to one of my favorite shows ever. <laughs> um, so she's constantly being reprimanded by the commander for playing with fire. Um, which is a, a lovely little thing. And yeah, because she, um, this is something that I probably should have said, is that the difference between second generation and third generation pyrokinetics is that second generation pyrokinetics can control pre-existing fire. Mm-hmm. Um, third generation can create it out of nothing. So that's the big difference. And a lot of the fire force is made up of pyrokinetics and they vary between second and third generation. But I, I think what I really like about this show, apart from the fact that it's very much a shonen uh, show in that it's like, there's a bad guy, I must defeat them. And then there's a big fight and they dig down deep inside and find something they didn't know they had and and they pull it out of the bag, you know? Yeah. Uh, Shinra has a very early confrontation with the captain of the fifth... Yeah, the, the fifth, I think... Because there are lots of different divisions of the Fire Force right. and they're all independent from each other. Um, the 8th, which uh, Shinra is a member of, was set up as an investigative arm who were there as kind of unofficial oversight for the rest of the department. Mm-hmm. And Shinra's arrival tallies with the moment where they start deciding that they're going to start looking into things. So the fifth are led by a captain who is a bit of a pyromaniac. She was formerly a uh, a priestess or a, a nun, but she lost her faith after an incident at the uh, at the nunnery that she was at. And a member of the eighth was also uh, there. She's the only other survivor from this incident, and so there's like a bit of a personal story going on there. But um, Shinra has just like the best fight with her ever. And he doesn't win it because he's the most all-powerful um, or anything like that. I, I won't go into exactly why he wins or how he wins, but it's not your traditional shonen where it's like, no, I'm just going to have to gut this one out and just become even more powerful. Right. It's more nuanced than that. And um, I, I I like it a lot. It doesn't take long to get to that episode, so I would definitely recommend people stick with it until they see that. Okay. Uh, but honestly, like I think once people see a couple of episodes of this, if they enjoy it, they, they know they're going to enjoy it. And if it's not for them, then no harm, no foul. Right. At the end of the day, not everyone is going to jive with every kind of anime. But I would say that if people listening to this are into My Hero Academia, then Fire Force is definitely one that they're going to enjoy. Okay, and I can actually use that last statement to kind of transition into uh, anime number three. Uh, I've seen, I watched the first couple episodes of Demon Slayer and I thought it was beautifully animated, had some good action, but the story wasn't clicking with me. But to be fair, I didn't get to the point where they introduced like the rest of the supporting cast, but talk about it. Okay. So, um, Demon Slayer is absolutely massive in Japan. It Um, is is now responsible for the biggest uh, movie of all time, which is saying something considering it came out in COVID. Came out in COVID, but importantly, and somewhat interestingly, because I know there's a, a lot of the anime that I watch, they have movies come out. Right, tons do. Uh, in fact, one of the ones that I was going to mention, but I, I kind of curtailed myself, was Seven Deadly Sins. Yeah. Because the most recent series of that came out, so I watched that. 
they have feature-length movies that are part of The Seven Deadly Sins, but they're not really canon. They fit into the canon, but they're removed from the overall story. Yeah, uh, I remember Dragon Ball Z did stuff like that too. Yeah, Dragon Ball Z did it, and um, I'm just trying to think... um, Bleach did it as well. They had like Memories of Nobody, which was actually just like... <laughs> it's, it's, it's a brilliant setup for a movie that's not set in canon because at the end of the movie, right. something happens where everybody's memory is literally just disappeared. <laughs> so yeah, in that movie happened. happened. Yeah, exactly, which is brilliant but infuriating at the same time. Yeah. The interesting thing about Demon Slayer, which is not something I've seen done very often um, in anime, let alone in just media in general is that uh, the Mugen Train movie that came out in 2020 is a direct canonical follow-on from season one of Demon Slayer. Yeah, it is saying there's going to be a second season later this year, so maybe there'll be some uh, crossover there. Yeah, so the second season, I think, will follow on from Mugen Train. So in order to follow the story completely, you have to watch the movie as well as the first season of the TV show is really really clever on their part and why i think the movie did as well as it did even during covid um obviously people just wanted something to distract themselves from what was going on in the world anyway but i think demon slayer has just been such a phenomenon in the last couple of years it really it's has got a video game that came out that looks really cool it's one that i'm going to pick up at some point but this anime man like it is exceptional um it's another one that i saw adverts for a lot on crunchyroll and i never got around to watching it until i was sitting there one day and i was like i've got nothing to watch you know i finished watching um samurai champloo i want something else which kind of feels like it and then i remembered that demon slayer had a very kind of meiji period era kind of feeling to it Mm -hmm. so i put it on watched the first episode First episode basically sets up the rest of the series and gives you uh, all of the information you need about the world and how it works. Yeah, and the motivation. There's kind of like a revenge There's thing a going huge, on. Yeah, like I, I don't think that it would be spoiling things too much. You to can talk, talk about, about the setup, yeah. It, um, because it, it's featured very heavily in the uh, the adverts for it. So you got well, kind got, of the nature of the secondary protagonist is part of that. Well, it's very important. Yeah, absolutely. So. Uh, you've got your main character, Tanjiro, who is the oldest son of a family who sell charcoal to uh, to make ends meet. And he's, from the get-go, he's a very good-hearted, well-intentioned boy. Uh, it's the middle of winter, it's snowed heavily, and he carries a massive basket of charcoal down into the village below, because he lives in the forests in the mountains uh, above this village, uh, hours away from uh, from home. Um, so he, he takes the charcoal down to the town so that he can sell it so they can get the money so they can feed themselves as, right. you know, and that's how shit works. As soon as he gets into town, it becomes very apparent that this kid is just the best kid. Like, you know, he's got the purest heart. Best boy. Everybody, best boy. Everybody in the town loves him. Everyone knows him by name. It's like walking into Cheers, you know, like where everybody knows your name. Um, Cheers is my favorite uh, anime. It's the best anime with a norm in it, uh, possibly. I don't know, maybe not. But like, he will go out of his way. People will be like, "Oh, uh, Tanjiro, could you help me with this? Could you do this for me? Could you do that for me?" 
And he's just like, yep, 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 no problem, no problem. There's a brilliant moment where someone comes running out of a a, a, um, a building being pursued by an older woman who has obviously beaten the crap out of him. And he goes up to Tanjiro and he says, Tanjiro, can you help me, please? Uh, this vase was broken and I keep telling her that I didn't do it. And Tanjiro, uh, and this is really clever, actually, because it sets up the fact that Tanjiro has got this amazing sense of smell. He just sniffs and he's like, I can smell a cat. And the woman immediately is like, oh, my God, you were telling the truth. Because what had happened is a cat had knocked this vase over and broken it instead of the kid. Cats are um, a small circle. Mm, brilliant setup. Wonderful world building. So anyway, uh, he, he sells all of his charcoal, does really well, and he's on his way home. Um, and he's like, oh, my God, it's so late. How did it get so late? And I'm just like here as a viewer thinking... Because you're too good to everybody, you did all of the chores they asked you to you without being paid. anything. Exactly, you're too good-hearted. You're being taken advantage of. Although, to be fair, everybody buys the charcoal. He sells out. I don't think he was expecting to sell out of charcoal. So, a, a guy at the bottom of the mountain basically says, "Look, come in, stay for the night. Here's some dinner. You can't. You shouldn't be out at night. It's dangerous. There are demons around." And that's the first mention of anything supernatural. And you're like, okay, well, look, I know the show is called Demon Slayer. It pretty much doesn't bother burying the lead here. I think we know what the show is about. Yeah. But this is the first time in the show that it says anything about demons. And so you're like, okay, I've got a horrible feeling about this, but let's go with it. So he stays the night, wakes up the next morning, and makes his way back up the mountain. And he starts smelling blood. And you just have this horrible feeling in your stomach because... Not only is this a really good kid, but, like, you meet his entire family. Right. Yeah, to be very beginning. He's got, like, uh, a really young sister, uh, two got, younger brothers. Yeah, he's got a couple siblings, a nice mom. Yeah. Like, seems like a nice family. It's a really lovely family. I think they've got, like, five kids in total, five or six. Um, he bumped into Nezuko, who becomes very important, by the way. Right, his sister. Uh, his way down. So she's his oldest sister, but she's still younger than he is. Like He is the oldest of all the siblings. Mm-hmm. And he has all the responsibility on his shoulders, as you would expect for a, a younger, uh, for an oldest sibling in a family where the father is no longer with them. It's never really explained at the time where his father is, but you find out more about him as the show goes on. Oh, okay. He He runs as fast as he can back home. And it's exactly as everybody at this point is fearing. His entire family have been completely massacred. Blood everywhere. I was not prepared for how hard this show goes in terms of what yeah. it shows. Like, it is brutal. You've got kids that are probably, what, four or five years of age, maybe even younger, and you just see them laying in a pool of blood. Just, yeah. it does not... It it's, doesn't it's a brutal cut. show. It really is. It really is a brutal show. Very funny at times, but very brutal. And it's I think that's not so funny in the beginning because it's still dealing with his him no. dealing with this and and the the life choice he makes. Yes. Um. So he at he at this point he's just like Jesus Christ. What the hell happened? He realizes that Nezuko is still alive, and so he picks her up and he starts taking her down the hill back to the village, hoping to find a doctor, someone that can help her. But she wakes up. She wakes up and she's not happy because she's not Nezuko anymore. She has turned into a demon. And this is where the advert kicks in because everyone's seen, I think, the trailer um, where he's basically got a stick between her teeth. I think it's actually the handle of his axe. Something like that. He's got it between her teeth, holding her at bay, and she's trying to eat him. 
and he's like, please, Nezuko, don't attack me. You're my sister. I love you. And then you start seeing tears forming in her eyes and you're like, okay, there's something going on here because, she, yeah, she's definitely a demon, but there's something in her still that's human. And then the demon slayer shows up and he, despite the fact that she's been trying to eat him for this entire time, uh, Tanjiro defends her against this demon slayer. Because he still recognizes signs of her humanity. Yeah, and, and the Demon Slayer, to his credit, eventually realises that there's something to Nezuko that isn't the same as regular demons. Right. And so he tells Tanjiro, okay, look, go to this place, ask for this person, he will train you to become a Demon Slayer, or he'll help you, basically. And so Tanjiro goes on this journey uh, where he... <laughs> Is a brilliant moment where he constructs a box or, or rather a basket to um, take Nezuko right. during the summer, uh, during the sun. Um, when the sun's the down, because sun. it's, it's, it's kind of like some vampire logic where the sun will uh, will kill them. The sun will kill demons, but he doesn't realize that until he finds her cowering in a hole that she's dug in the cave that he left her. And like she's just she's a very very cute character Nezuko. I, I was seeing memes about her even before I watched the show. I think she's she's yeah. she's like the anime equivalent of Baby Yoda at this point. Like everybody's like gotta protect yeah. her. Absolutely, absolutely. One of my friends, Ryan, actually the the friend that introduced me to anime, um, he watched Demon Slayer before I did, and he recommended that I start watching it, which was part of the reason why I had it in mind. Um, he said that he's, he's got certain issues with Nezuko, um, not so much the character, but the fact that she's essentially wearing bondage gear for the entire show. Do you um, mean the, the mouthpiece? So the mouthpiece, the muzzle, the the bamboo um, muzzle. I, I can understand where he's coming from, but it's, and knowing Japanese culture as 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 well as I do, um, I know that um, <laughs> they, they are into their kinky shit. Uh, and, oh, and so I'm I was, just looking it up. If that's if that's a thing, Nezuko's supposed to be twelve. Nezuko's meant to be twelve, um, but it's not in in the show. They, did, they, they don't sexualize her in the show, from what I saw. Oh, this is the thing. In, in the show's context, Nezuko is never made out to get any kind of gratification or otherwise from this mouthpiece. It's literally there to protect other people, right? So she like, doesn't bite them and stuff like that. She's, she's yeah, exactly. veins behind it. Yeah, so I, I get why some people might link those things, but I think that for me personally, it was never something that even came to mind until it was brought up to my attention. Um, so it doesn't bother me. I think her design is super cute. I, I actually think that mouthpiece just kind of works really well for her because then it's all in the eyes. You have to concentrate on her eyes as a character. That and it makes her more distinct. Like, you know, mm. you don't really think of other characters that have that that bamboo piece over their mouth. No, it's like, but, that's, it's like a trademark now. It is, but the fact that she's a demon and you're looking into her eyes and, and you're seeing her humanity in her eyes. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm looking at a lot of pictures and she does ha have expressive eyes. She does, and like when she's a demon, you know she's a demon because she gets that kind of slotted eye kind of look. She looks kind like a cat kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah and the, the shape yeah. changes. Her, her, her design is wonderful. But yeah, so um, anyway, I was talking about... Um, uh, Tanjiro making that basket for her. Uh, it's another example of him being too good-hearted because he says to the farmer, oh, you've got a broken basket over there. Can I have that and some bamboo? Uh, and I'll pay you for it. And the farmer's just like, well, it's no use to me. Have it. And Tanjiro's literally forcing money into this guy's hand. 
He's like, take the money, take the money. It's like um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit almost. You want like, it, you don't want it. You want it, you don't want it. Exactly. I watched that the other day. That was fun. We, oh, we just covered it a, a few months ago because it's, it's Chris Wade's favorite movie. Oh, really? Yeah, go back to episode sure. 40. Great movie. That's that great. And uh, Steven Universe. Steven Universe, I really enjoy. It's fantastic. I, I do enjoy. I don't enjoy it as much as Felipe does. I mean, he's a massive super fan right, for right, it. Right. But it's it's a fun series. I, I do enjoy Steven Universe. But yeah, I, I tell you what, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, all-time great movie and i don't care who wants to disagree with me on it i think it's absolutely superb and the fact that we never got a sequel on the one hand i'm disappointed on the other hand i'm relieved because it's you know a one and done fantastic movie yeah never to be repeated never to be outdone um but yeah so you you constantly see even in the greatest of personally traumatic and, and difficult moments tanjiro is always full of hope and and kindness and fought for other people above himself and so you know he eventually makes it to this person that's going to help him and um the, the uh he's he's essentially i think his name is uro kodaki yeah um he, oh, I, thought, I thought you were gonna say his name was a rotsuki doji no different show <laughs> very not, different show this one at least not as far as i've seen so far um so uro kodaki uh essentially becomes his master yoda so he trains him in the ways of becoming a jedi yeah, i did see that part he he always has this like long nose mask over him and he's very strict but he's he's good yeah yeah you can tell that he cares like deeply and and there's a a very interesting story um and a tragic backstory behind him as well which you oh, find out as you um as you get into the uh the final selection part of of the show but uh it i man i i think that's pr- probably about as much as i can say about it other than um tomioka puts a hypnotic suggestion in nezuko's mind which basically convinces her that all human beings are her family and that she must protect all of them with her life <laughs> so she's doing what all the internet wants to do, wants to do with her protect with life Absolutely, absolutely, um, and I, I think that's just so such a great idea. But the fact that she was pretty much like that anyway already makes it super easy for that suggestion to be put into her head. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if down the line um, he turns around and says, "Oh yeah, you know when I said that I hypnotically suggested that?" Yeah, not so much. She basically thinks of everyone that's human as family anyway. Nice. Um, but yeah, like it, it, she's she's a very interesting um, character. She's unique among demons in that she doesn't partake in human blood, and refuses to actually at some points. And she basically regenerates and um, and gets all of her energy from sleeping. At one point, she sleeps for two years solid, <laughs> which wow. is handy. Yeah, um, that's, it's during his training, so it kind of it works out. <laughs> it works out perfectly. Yeah, the timing couldn't be better. Um, so uh, I think look, the the animation is really good. It's, it, is, it really uh, is, and so is the action choreography. It is like it's made by um, Ufotable or yes. UFO Table, depending on who you talk to. Um, now that they're the people that are responsible for the Fate series, which I also um, need to watch. I enjoy Fate. What I've seen of it, I really enjoy it. But there's so much of it that, and I know that Bianca on Generation Animation will eventually pick all of it that I'm just waiting until she picks it so that I can watch it then. Because um, I, I don't 
time manage well anyway, but even less when I'm watching anime because I will literally just hit play and keep watching until it's done. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I uh, like I said, the, the animation is absolutely superb, as you would expect from Ufotable. The, the music is really good as well. But just like the, the general... The the voice acting, the dub I watched on this one, it, it's excellent. And just the the characters themselves, it's based on a manga. So, of course, the uh, the, the um, credit really should go to the, the mangaka, um, Koyoharu Gotuge, because they're the ones that have uh, really built these characters from the ground up. And, and that's why they translate so well uh, into anime. But yeah, it's a brilliant adaptation as far as I can tell. And uh, I, I absolutely recommend it. Again, I, I think it's one of those shows that if you like anything to do with like demons or sword play, if you're a Bleach fan, if you're perhaps a... Um, I would say My Hero kind of gels with this as well to an extent. Okay. There's a lot I, of- I still need to give this show another shot, especially because I, it didn't get to introducing much of the other main cast or the comedic side of things. It starts out very, very serious and bleak. Um mm. Mm. But uh, I need to maybe be, I think maybe I should get a better idea of the big picture of it and then make a because uh, your enthusiasm is definitely convincing me. Give this another shot and the world's enthusiasm, but it helps to directly yeah. talk to someone about it. I, I think that it's one of those great shows that um, it it's not a comedy, but it has extremely funny moments. Sure, I, I think that I I'm really drawn to that kind of storytelling where you can tackle something that's super serious and you can have those moments of real sorrow and and horror, but in a moment's notice, you can flip it on its head and you can have a laugh about something. Nice. Um, And a lot of the time that comes from other characters that are established later on. So you have to get past final selection um, and get into... Uh, Tanjiro's uh, travels and, uh, and and story as a demon slayer in his own right to really get to that. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't take very long. So that's something that I, I definitely like about it. I, I definitely think there's a lot of bleach about this. Oh. The more I think about it, like the fact that the demons all have different powers and, you know, that they're so very different in terms of their appearance. They definitely have... It has that feeling of like fighting off like low-level hollows and then moving on into the kind of bigger stuff like the um oh, that's called I'm, the shonen power creep it is the shonen power creep absolutely but the, the power creep happens very early like <laughs> very very early but the, one more thing that i will say about this show is yeah. that the um the the choreography the action is superb it's but great i saw i push- saw when he fights his first demon and it ends with him like pinning its head on a tree and he turns and he gets roasted by the sun and just like great use of like cg environments so they're just like jumping all over the place and it's very fast and visceral and tense I, yeah I no complaints from me there there's there's a lovely thing that they add into the mix after he's had his training uh which is um they have this very i i can't remember the the, the name of it now but it's the the japanese art of writing uh they used it uh, heavily in street fighter 4 where they used it to influence um, when you're when you're fighting, you get like these moments where you get like black ink kind of. Yes, yes. They they actually put that with Ryu and Ken in Smash Brothers too. Oh, nice! I'm glad that they followed through with that because I thought that was lost to like just that version of the it's, game. It's one of their special moves. Yeah. 
Oh, nice. Okay. Um, so it kind of has that kind of feeling to it, but also it feels very much like those kind of uh, block painting images um, from from Japan of, of years gone past. Mm-hmm. He'll attack, and he's got like... Um, Demon Slayers come from different schools. So you can be the fire school, you could be the air school, the electric school, or you could be the water school. Oh, um, that was hard. Cool. Yeah, kind of. But So Tanjiro, it, it's more of a description of their style of sword play than anything else. Um, their fighting styles. Your fighting style, yeah, exactly. So like Crane or Tiger or something like that. So the water style, which is what Tanjiro is trained in, means that whenever he unleashes one of his special attacks, not only will he name it in the best traditions of anime, where it's like second form, waterfall. Yeah, yell it out loud, of course. Yeah, exactly. Because you have to tell your enemy what you're doing. You have to tell, Um, yes, and the audience that you don't even know is there. Yes, indeed. But also there's this brilliant little um, affectation that comes with it, which is that his blade will carve waves into the air. And they're designed in a way that makes them pop. I I can't really explain it other than to say that it reminds me a lot of kind of like that really kind of traditional block painting of Mount Fuji with the waves crashing. Oh, yeah. uh, Yeah. I wish I could remember the name of the artist, but his name is at the moment um the vibe yeah but it's it's very very cool very stylized really really kind of like sticks out to me and it's just one of those little things that just sets it apart from the crowd because it's got these little touches all over the place the fact that it's a limited series shown and means they can put more effort into crafting it and making it look as good as they can and they definitely manage that but yeah i i absolutely recommend it i've not had the chance to watch the movie yet but um, as soon as I do, I will be there. I got to say, I'll, yeah, so like I said, one, I will definitely uh, give this another look because I believe it's still on Netflix in, in the U.S. last I checked. Uh, mm. Two, I've still been browsing like character info and, and screenshots and such. And because we were talking about Nezuko, I'm, I'm going to send you, this is, I think this might be the episode thumbnail. One sec. Okay. Oh, perfect. <laughs> perfect. It's the circle of love tonight. No, 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 circle of life, man. Circle of life. I don't want <laughs> I don't want these two hooking up. That's there's that's not my thing. Um uh, but uh I'm yeah. I apologize. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Um but so we have one more anime to talk about for our main topic. And this is interesting. He says save this for less. This is the one when you brought it up, I had never heard of this. So what is going on with uh Super Cup? Right, so Super Cub is a... um, This was a lucky pick for me. It was like a lucky dip. Uh, I was looking for something to watch, and I saw the poster for this, and I immediately thought, I need to look at this. And and the reason for it is, is that it seemed to me like it was a show which was based purely around the idea that a young girl loves her bike. And I... (laughs) I like slice of life anime, um, so that was a big win for me. But also, I thought it was an interesting idea that you have a main character who's a girl be really into motorcycling, and it was something that I wanted to have a look at and give a chance. So I watched the first few episodes, and I've I've only really got up to episode five, I think, at the moment. Um, there are twelve in total. It's on Funimation, at least it is in the UK. Okay. And th- this is essentially just a slice of life anime about a girl who lives a very lonely life, a very withdrawn life, 
and one day she decides that she's sick of cycling to school and she wants to get herself a little moped mo- motorcycle. Um, and so she goes to the nearby motorcycle shop and um, she says, I, I, I really like a motorcycle. Do you have anything uh, that I can afford? Because she lives by herself. Um, she's on some kind of pocket money as far as I'm aware. Really don't know much about her background. Does she have family? Is she on a, some sort of uh, benefits I, or, or I was what? looking I, up, I won't say anything, but I was looking up on, on the show's Wikipedia uh, again. I, it does, it, I think it does touch on her, it her parents eventually. Really, okay. So she, she's living a very meager life, a very meager existence. And this show is essentially, I, I feel like it was probably sponsored by Honda. Um, and if that's the case, then fair play to them because they played an absolute blinder here. The entire idea of it is that um, Kaguma, which is the name of the girl that's the main character in this show, buying a Super Cub, which is one of the most popular brands of motorcycle in Asia mm-hmm. and the world by extension, opens her life up and allows her to develop as a human, make friends and um, just become a, a more well-rounded person in general. Um, and, and this is the impetus for it, is buying this Super Cup. It's a really lovely anime. It's lovely in terms of the design of it. It's it's really pretty. Um, the, yeah, I was the looking music- up screenshots, and it, it has a nice, some really nice backgrounds, for sure. It does. Like They, they do a really, really good job of the backgrounds. Um, the sound design is amazing. They do the c- cicada thing, which every anime does, but I love oh. it whenever I hear it. I, I, we, we just dealt with them in the in the states. So I've heard about that. Oh, well, there was there like a super swarm of them, wasn't there? Or something. They, we have some that come out of the ground every twenty years, and so for like, right, for like a yeah. month and a half, we were bombarded with cicadas and their noises. <laughs> just once every twenty years. <laughs> yeah, That's but mad. I wouldn't mind if they were like they were in Japan, where they're a little more spread out and sparks yeah yeah exactly but such a concentration all at once it must be an absolute nightmare but yeah it's it's just it's really really lovely um i there's not much else i can really say about it other than it just it's one of those shows that makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside it's just really beautifully made that's cool i think you describing like that actually makes me want to watch it because i've been you know at you know ongoing uh lockdown stuff like that uh, actually here in maryland they just they just put the uh mask mandate back and back in effect and so you i look for pleasant stuff like this to escape in and this might be a good one. Oh, nice i'm glad i can help <laughs> yeah 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 so any other things you want to say about super cup i don't know i i think uh, if you're looking to get into motorcycling then it's a brilliant instructional anime on how to look after your bike like the amount of detail they go into with the ownership of a, uh, of a, a super cub itself i'll bet it was written by an enthusiast or they did their uh, research i'm sure it was i'm sure it was there's so much detail that goes into it i mean this is how good this anime was right i i could if i wanted to i could probably go and get my cbt test done which is a like a, a two-day examination, which if you pass it, basically on a normal driver's license, you'd be allowed to um, to ride a uh, a moped. Mm. And I was giving serious thought into getting a Super Cub after watching this because the amount of joy that she had from just having it and, and riding it and looking after it, maintaining it, I just, I, I felt like I was missing out something in my life by not having one. I've never been uh, on a motorcycle or on a moped, but maybe this will be the thing to sway me as well. You never know. You never, never know. know. 
Um, but I, I don't know. The one time I tried riding a moped, it, it didn't end bad, uh, well. It didn't end badly, but it didn't end well. Uh, <laughs> it ended okay. It was fine. It was somewhere in the middle. But yeah, it's a really great anime. I've really enjoyed it so far. It's just the problem with Slice of Life anime, specifically Slice of Life, is that it's really difficult to really think of anything to say about it which could be a hook for everyone. I think you're either into it or you're not. Um, yeah, I've barely watched any Slice of Life anime because I kind of, I don't want to say dismiss them, but I, I think I neglect them because I'm like, then why is it animated? But at the same time, we just did, uh, earlier this year, we did, we talked about Aizoken, which I, or Aizoken, I don't know if you've seen that. Um, I've that, not, no. That's a neat show, uh, and it does have fantasy sequences, but it's about three girls who join a club at school and kind of a future, near future Japan town and decide to make their own anime. Oh, and nice. Okay. It, and it was nice for me and our, uh, the guest who suggested it, Ben, because it went into a lot of details that are actually very logical when it comes to making cartoons. Okay. Well, I guess like that's the um, the appeal of Slice of Life is that it really goes into those little details, you know. Yeah, you can uh, see you can connect with some of these things because they're they're more grounded than a lot of other anime. Yeah. So so maybe I, I think maybe that is the selling point of uh, of Supercarb is that I mean it's literally named after the bike that <laughs> that she's yeah. obsessed. Well, you with. said the title. I thought I was gonna. I thought it was gonna be about a bear. I honestly, when I first saw the title, before I clicked on it to get the description so that I could uh, decide whether or not I was watching it, I thought it was going to be some kind of superhero thing. Um, yeah, but we got, we got Fire Force and Academia for that. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, but the uh, the poster told me that it was probably going to be something a bit more subdued. And yeah. sometimes it's just nice to have one of those shows where you just... A lot of the time, shows like this... You just have you. You find a character, even if it's not the main character. Normally, it's one of the friends or something right. that you just click with, and you just want to see them do well. And um, so far, so good. Every single character that I've come into contact with on this show, I've just been like, I, I want you to be happy. <laughs> you're you're good girls, you know. But it, it's um, it's a great show. I, I think that, you know, the more I think about it, I, I, I think this is absolutely just a, a bit of a work of love. Um, certainly the, the manga was uh, of someone that just loves Super Cub motorcycles and, and motorcycling. And I wouldn't be surprised if it was slightly autobiographic. Uh, oh, because, that's very possible. You know, things like uh, motorcycle ownership can open your social life up because it gives you a newfound mobility and freedom that you might not otherwise have. And I think something else perhaps that could have appealed to me was the fact that watching this in the middle of a lockdown as I did and with the world having caught fire for the last uh, like you know year and a half almost, it was kind of nice to watch a show where somebody was able to make their world bigger rather than having it made smaller. Yeah, uh, I've been thinking about ways to uh, grow my world, but uh, I'll... I'll... I'll figure something out. Yeah, yeah. We all do. We so, all do. So, yeah, that's a good, really good anime discussion. And uh, I guess it's about time we get into a Western cartoon. <laughs> <laughs>